Good morning, Joe. How are you? Haas, I'm just fine. How about yourself this morning? Doing great. Doing great. All right. Um, well, this morning we're going to uh, do another episode of the Jersey Joe Show. And for those who might be the first time listening, it's the situation with Jersey Joe. And it's about news and perspective you might not hear on TV. So news stories you may not have heard. And the perspective part is maybe about a news story that you did hear. Uh, but then you're shaking your head. Well, gee, why did they do that? Why do those people vote that way? Or why did that happen? Um, and many times you'll hear the headline, but they won't. But the news reporter won't go into the details or they only give you one side of the story. So as Paul Harvey used to say, I'm here to give you the rest of the story. Um, we're going to do my quote of the day. We're going to talk about the uh, FBI overreaction to a dad who simply shoved the guy who was harassing his son. We're going to talk about why Ford can't ship 30,000 vehicles they finished. We're going to talk about the, uh, the United States Constitution and if we are a democracy. Uh, talk about the impact that inflation is going to have on interest rates and the national debt. Um, taxpayer relief shot. Today it's going to be uh, producer's choice. we got two, two to pick from, and when we get down there, uh, we've got two good guys with a gun story from last week, and I'll let you pick which one you want to hear about. All right. All right. Oh, and by the way, Wessel, I want to ask about the difference between good and fair. Um, and that'll be next up right after my quote of the day. My quote of the day comes from Theodore Roosevelt, who said, I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led, who led difficult lives and led them well. Um, and just think of Mother Teresa lived an ex extremely diff difficult life, lived yeah, them well. Absolutely. I know some very hardworking people. They're not rich, but uh, you look at them and say, you know, uh, you know I, I wish that guy was my brother. You know, I wish my kids would grow up to be like them. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be. You know, and then you look at some of these um, rich, uh, I, I won't use the word on radio, but some of these rich guys riding around their Ferraris, they're just kind of, you know, a waste of space. They right. contribute nothing to society. You know, Paris Hilton comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no envy for Paris Hilton or anybody like Paris Hilton. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the difference between fair and good. You know, a lot of people these days, you know, the, the woke, uh, the woke portion of society, you know, believes that if something isn't fair, it can't be good. Oh, you're not. It's not fair that you don't have as many minorities, you know, admitted to Harvard as, you know, you know, as they are in the population. Twelve percent of the population is minorities or African-Americans. How come 12 percent of your uh, college admissions into Harvard are in African-Americans? Because that's not fair. Well, let me tell you my take on fair versus good. Back in the 1980s, what we refer to as Russia today was actually a collection of countries called the United Soviet Socialist Republic, the USSR. And back in the 80s, the USSR was the fairest place in the world. Everybody, and I mean everybody except the ruling elite, had to stand online for two hours to buy a loaf of bread. And at two o'clock in the afternoon when they were out of bread, the shop owner would come out, hang a sign on the door, out of bread. And it was very, very fair. Well, the USSR finally collapsed. Um, and they went to more of a capitalist form of economy. 
And today in, in Russia, you have rich people and you, you've heard the term oligarchs, right? You've got very rich people. You got people driving Rolls Royce. You know, you got people driving Ferraris. You still have poor people. So it is no longer fair because you do have rich people and poor people. But up until the Ukraine invasion, you could walk into any store in Moscow at 10 o'clock at night and walk out with a loaf of bread five minutes, walk out with a loaf of bread under your arm five minutes later. So if you ask anybody who lived through both of those periods, and I have on numerous occasions, by the way, would you want to go back to when it was fair? And their answer basically is hell no. We prefer good over fair because fair was awful. So, but most people, particularly liberals, will, would have you believe that fair and good are synonymous, that if it isn't fair, it can't be good. And if it isn't fair, we have to change it. Um, that is a fallacy. Um, something can be good without being fair and something can be fair and be awful. And so don't ever let somebody tell you that just because something isn't fair, it needs to be changed. Uh, that's any reaction to fair versus good. Good point. No, you're absolutely right. I'd rather right. have good. <laughs> All right. House, have you heard about, you know, there's been a car shortage and, you know, I bought a car about five months ago and there's been such a shortage of vehicles that for those dealers that have vehicles on their lots, every dealer is selling new vehicles at over MSRP. Remember the good old days when <laughs> you could always negotiate below, you know, MSRP was just a start and then you would go down from MSRP. Absolutely. Up until this past year, I don't think I've ever paid MSRP for a vehicle in my entire life. Well, that's, not, this, that's not fair, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this year, I went looking for a vehicle, and the best deal I could find on the car I wanted was four thousand over MSRP. Some dealers were asking eight thousand over MSRP and getting it. Wow! Um, and so here you've got Ford. By the way, they have about thirty thousand vehicles all done, ready to drive. Um, you know, cars, sedans, SUVs, pickup trucks, but they can't ship them even though they're perfectly perfectly functional. You know why they can't ship those 30,000 vehicles? No. You know the little blue oval Ford emblem that goes on the grill? Yeah. And sometimes like the little emblem, like if you buy a Mustang, it's got the little horse emblem. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're dependent upon suppliers from China and their supply chain issues. They don't have the little blue emblem. So they got 30,000 vehicles sitting in the lot ready to go. <laughs> waiting, oh my gosh. waiting for the emblems. Um, let's talk about the DOJ and FBI overreaction. Now, before I get into this, I'm going to start by saying I'm a huge fan of law enforcement. I, you know, I support our police. Uh, you know, I think they do a great job. They're an important part of our society. But, you know, the FBI is a part of the Department of Justice. And, and like, you know, and of course, they get their marching orders from the DOJ. And something happened last week that just infuriates me. There was a, um, a guy who's a pastor. He's anti-abortion and he goes to abortion clinics and he doesn't block the door, but he stands outside with his pamphlets you know, to women coming in saying, if you want to consider an alternative, you know, please read this, contact us. We have options. You know, there's adoption options and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he was at an abortion clinic. Uh, and he brought his 12-year-old son, and that was questionable whether or not he should have brought his son. But there was a pro-abortion guy there was just um, harassing, getting right in the kid's face, screaming in the kid's face, 
father repeatedly asked the guy to stop harassing his son. And when he didn't, the father finally shoved the guy and the guy fell backwards onto his butt, got up, no injury. Um, he filed an assault charge in district court in, in Philadelphia. The judge threw it out saying, hey, you're harassing this kid. You weren't injured. The case was thrown out. So imagine this guy's surprise yesterday, uh, last week when 15 FBI cars showed up and out and out piled 25 FBI agents armed with AR-15 rifles to arrest this one man who in his life has never gotten so much as a speeding ticket. Do you really need to send 25 armed FBI agents to arrest one guy for pushing somebody down? Wow. Now, you know, that wasn't the local head of the FBI, the local, uh, you know, regional office manager of the FBI didn't make that decision. Right. You know, that came from up high. So uh, I'm really shaking my head at, at how the DOJ, just because it happened at an abortion. There is, by the way, a federal law. I think it's called the face of federal accountability, something um, that protects people who are escorting women into an abortion center. So they pulled this federal law about uh, interfering with somebody who's entering an abortion clinic. And just because this guy pushed a guy who was harassing his 12 year old son. Wow. So uh, I'm really, really disappointed with, with uh, the department of justice over that. Absolutely. All right. All right. Let's move on host to our former government. Hoss, you hear people, and particularly President Biden, saying we need to save our, protect our democracy, save our democracy. Hoss, do we live in a, are, is the United States a democracy? Uh, not in my part of the country, it's not. I don't think in, it's in your, a democracy in your part either. What What is it, what form of government is it where you live? We're actually a constitutional republic out here. All right. Um, so let's talk about the difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic. You know, somebody, there goes my, uh -oh. there goes my mic. Anyway, somebody once said that a democracy is two wolves and a sheep uh, voting on what to have for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's a, an apt description. Um, so by the way, um, how many times do you think the word democracy appears either in the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution? Um, probably not at all. You're absolutely correct. The word democracy does not appear even once in either the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution. However, in Article 4, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, it guarantees a Republican, small r, Republican form of government. Now, in a pure democracy, if your town wanted to pass a law saying that no churches other than a Protestant church could be built and no religion could be practiced in that town other than Protestant religion, that would be permitted under a pure democracy. In a pure democracy, if your state said only landowners have the right to vote, that would become the law in a pure democracy. Um, if a, in a pure democracy, if the ruling party wanted to make it a crime to criticize the sitting president, and 51% of the people said, yeah, we should make that a crime. You couldn't criticize a sitting president. But we have, we are a constitutional republic and the constitution protects the rights of the minority. And, and let's talk about the rights of the minority. Many people mistakenly believe that our, that our rights derive 
from the Constitution. And in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Every person is born with what are referred to as natural rights or God-given rights for those who believe in God. And unless and until some more powerful entity takes those rights from us, we retain them throughout our life. And those who understand the true purpose of the Constitution know that its purpose was not to grant us those rights, but to prevent the government from depriving us of those natural rights that we were born with. Those protections are embodied by provision after provision of the Constitution specifying what the government can't do. Now, if you do a quick word search of the U.S. Constitution for the occurrence of the words no and not, here's what you'll find. The word no appears 33 times in the main body of the Constitution and an additional 37 times in the Bill of Rights for an occurrence of 70 times and that can be found in such sentences as, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Then we move on to the word not. The word not appears 41 times in the main body of the Constitution, an additional 23 times in the Bill of Rights for a total occurrence of 64 times, and can be found in sentences such as these. The rights of the people to, to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Between those two words, no and not, the Constitution specifies 134 things that the government can't do and not one single thing that we the people cannot do. Um, which by the way, which kind of brings us to the, the question of uh, housing and healthcare as rights. Has, does anybody have to pay for you to exercise your rights? Does anybody have to spend any money for you to exercise your right of free speech i wouldn't think so does anybody have to spend any money uh does the government have to spend any money for you to exercise your right of uh, freedom of religion no does the government have to spend any money so that you can uh, uh, be protected against uh, searches without a warrant no all right so there are no rights in the constitution that require the expenditure of money by anybody Yet people come along and say, well, health care is a right. Um, housing is a right. Well, but they're saying, and because those are rights as we define a right, the government has to pay for those things. Well, in that case, if the government has to pay for things, then I want the government to buy me a gun because the Second Amendment says I can have a gun. Yeah. And therefore, if the government is going to pay for people's health care and homes as a right, well, then they should buy me a gun because I have a right to own a gun. Um Again, what the Constitution says, you have the right to seek health care. You have the right to you have the right to acquire a home or and shelter. But it is not a, a right that the government provide those things for you. So um, anyway, no other constitu constitutional rights don't come with a price tag that you acquired at no charge at the moment of your birth. So if anybody says the government, I had this right and the government has to pay for it. Uh, they don't know what they're talking about. All right. Very good. Um, let's talk about the um, interest rates and inflation. Uh, as inflation goes up, so does the interest rate on bonds. And, and one of the, uh, the biggest uh, source of bond purchases and bond sales is, is U.S. Treasury bonds. Us, do you know how the U.S. Uh, finances its, its deficit every year? Oh, uh, my understanding is that uh, that's where our personal income tax goes. Well, unfortunately, personal income tax barely covers 50% of what the government spends. I think right. last year, uh, the U.S. government spent 
um, just under $6 trillion in tax revenues only accounted for about $3.8 trillion. Mm. Uh, the, the balance, I think last year the government borrowed one point seven. And this year they're going to borrow a little over a trillion. And when they and how they borrow money is they go to the treasury and they say, hey, treasury, we, we need to borrow money because you know only two-thirds of what we need is coming in from individual and corporate taxes and other government fees. So go sell some IOUs. And those IOUs are referred to as treasury bills. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a two-year treasury bill, a five-year, 10-year, 30-year treasury bill. Um and once they sell those, then, then they go to the Federal Reserve and say, hey, print us up another trillion of $100 bills. And that's how they basically inject money into the economy. Because when you print that money and you give it out, it, it gets lent to builders. And the builders, in turn, pay their workers. And the workers, in turn, spend it on clothes and TVs and restaurants and cars. So that's how that money gets injected into the economy, which goes back to last week about Milton Friedman saying only government can create inflation because only government can print money. So anyway, as of last year, the government had about 29 trillion of accumulated debt over the years. That means they have issued IOUs for 29 trillion dollars of borrowed money. And each and every one of those treasury notes, depending on whether it was a two year, five year, 10 year, 30 year, came with an interest rates. Now, as with most lending, the longer you wanna borrow money for, the higher the interest rate. So up until a short while ago, if you wanted to buy a 30-year treasury note, you could get an interest rate right around 3%. If you only wanted to put money away for two years, you might get 1.1, 1 1.2% interest on a two-year note. Five-year note, you might have got 1.5% interest rate. And again, the longer the term, the higher the rate, the shorter the, the, shorter the term, the lower the rate. So um, as of last year, on that 29 trillion of borrowed money those 29 trillion of ious you know how much interest the treasury paid on that 29 trillion and this is part of the federal budget i have no idea try 450 billion dollars wow almost a half a trillion dollars but here's the scary thing if you divide 29 trillion of borrowed money by 450 billion you come up to an average effective interest rate of only 1.6%. Well, how is that possible? Any idea how they kept the interest rate so low? No. Well, what the Treasury did is when they would borrow that money, rather than saying to people, hey, you want to buy my 30-year Treasury notes that pay 3%, they said, hey, you want to buy my two-year and five-year notes that pay less than 1.5%. So they sold a whole, they sold a whole grunch of two- and five-year Treasury notes. The, you know, way more. I'm not saying they didn't sell any 30-year Treasury notes, but the vast majority of what they sold were the shorter-term notes. Mm. But here's the conundrum. So let's say that Biden goes to the Treasury and say, hey, guys, uh, we're going to have a trillion-dollar shortfall between what we want to spend and what we're going to take in in taxes. I need you to go sell another trillion dollars of IOUs, uh, otherwise known as Treasury notes. And the treasurer says, okay, Joe, that's fine. We can do that. But you do know that um, a lot of the debt we previously sold is coming due and maturing, and we have to roll it over and we have to replace it. So in addition to the trillion of new debt um, that you want us to finance this year with more IOUs, since we've got another $5 trillion of short-term debt that is maturing and has to be paid off, we're going to have to issue 
in addition to the trillion you want, we have to reissue another five trillion mm. of debt to replace the debt that's maturing. So this year we're going to have to issue not one trillion of new debt. We're going to have to issue six trillion in bonds. And Haas, as of the other day, do you know what the interest rate on a two-year treasury note that six months ago was 1.2%? You know what mm. that two-year treasury interest rate was? No. Try, hold on to your chair so you don't fall on the floor. You hold on tight. I am. 4.25% oh, on, wow. on a two-year treasury note. Wow. 4.25%, triple what it was at the beginning of the year. So here's the conundrum. The so that 454 billion in interest that they paid last year was based on a blended rate of 1.6%. If they have to continue to replace that 1.6% debt with debt that's above 4%, you would quickly see that 450 billion of earned interest in a couple again, let's assume they're going to replace it at 5 or 6 trillion per year. Well in a couple of years you're going to see that 450 billion, the blended interest rate will probably rise to something three and a half percent. And at three and a half percent, the interest alone, oh, and by and then combine that with the fact that the national debt's going to continue to grow. I think this year we're looking at 31 trillion and at a at a trillion a year, trillion and a half a year. In a couple of years, you're going to be looking at 33, 34 trillion of borrowed money at an interest rate of at least three and a half percent which means $1 trillion of taxpayer money is going to go just to pay the interest on the national debt. Now, do we get any roads for a trillion dollars? I mean, when, for that trillion dollars, does it buy us any roads? No, it doesn't buy us anything. No, it doesn't buy us a, it doesn't buy us a single tank, doesn't buy us a single road. Uh, it, doesn't, it does nothing for us. It's just like credit card interest. When you pay your credit card interest, you get nothing for it. So uh, we're really heading... And by the way, that's exactly what happened in Venezuela. They started printing money and, and it spiraled out of control where the, and the, the money got cheap. Basically, when you print money, you cheapen the value, which is why we're saying inflation right now. Yeah. And by the way, uh, 10 years ago in Venezuela, the, their, their currency, the Bolivar, was approximately equal to a dollar. One dollar was one Bolivar. Mm -hmm. Today, um, you need a thousand Bolivars to be worth a penny. That's, that's what happened oh, to their wow. currency. Yep. Um, you know, a, a dozen a, a dozen eggs is like a hundred thousand bolivars. Uh, wow. People are papering the what people. It is literally, and I'm not making this up. Somebody actually, it is actually cheaper to wipe your butt with bolivars than to buy toilet paper in Venezuela. Wow, it's cheaper to wipe your butt with their currency than to buy, spend it on toilet paper. All right. So, uh, by the way, on the other hand. If you're if you got some money, if you're looking, for, and by the way, that that uh, four point two five is tax free. So if you're in the twenty five percent tax bracket, uh, that's better than a five percent no risk return. So yeah. if you've got any money sitting around, you want to park somewhere, two year treasury notes. Wow. All right, House, we're getting close to the end of the show, and I, I promised you a uh, kind of a good guy with a gun story. Your choice today. We have a. Um, uh, an older couple in California where the woman had bought a gun the day before, just literally the day before. And then some guy comes to the house and is trying to break into their house and the husband's struggling and she goes and grabs a gun. And then there's a woman living alone in Tulsa. A guy breaks in through her bathroom window 
uh, and he and the the single woman shoots her. So you want to hear about the Chinese couple in California or the woman in Tulsa? Uh, let's go with Tulsa. All right, Tulsa. And first, let me explain for to listeners who haven't heard these before. I call them taxpayer relief shots because um, when a good guy with a gun, or in this case, both in both of these, it's a good woman with a gun, shoots and kills a thug. You save the taxpayers the cost of a jury trial, which almost always includes the cost of a uh, court-appointed uh, defense attorney for the thug. And if he's convicted, he's going to go to jail for a couple of years at sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year of taxpayer money. If he gets released early on probation, then there's going to be a probationary cost, you know, probation officers. So, and and if he has an appeal, then there's going to be more taxpayer money for the appeal. So when the good guy with a gun or a good woman with a gun shoots and kills a thug, uh, you save the taxpayers a whole lot of money. And that's just my, not my opinion. Let me pay you a uh, play you a clip from the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, Florida, who uh, has said the exact same thing. Here we go. Somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. That's one of my favorite clips. I'm going to play it again for those who might not have heard it. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. Love it. <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorites, Austin. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just love the guy. I wish he was the sheriff in my town. Absolutely. All right. All right. So let's go to Tulsa, and hopefully this will start without the ad. Here we go. Um, Tracking today at four, a man is dead after Tulsa police say he broke into a Midtown home and the homeowner shot him. News on Six's Amy Slanchik is live at the scene near 15th and Harvard with more. Amy. Jonathan and Tatum, police say the burglar got into the house through a window in the back of the home. TPD says the homeowner confronted the burglar and fired at least one shot that happened around 1230 this afternoon. Officers say after the burglar was shot, he crawled back out the window and made it to the front yard before collapsing. Police say he died at the scene. In Tulsa, we see it a lot. Uh, it's very difficult to not know somebody who's been burglarized or the car by the way, this is the uh, the sheriff speaking. So this is that's who's giving this little dissertation about what's going on in Tulsa. Okay, too. So it's an unfortunate uh, crime that happens in Tulsa, where people are committing burglaries and stealing stuff all the time. Today, that choice to come and break into someone's home ended by him losing his life. Yeah. TV says the homeowner is being cooperative and answering all questions from police. Cooper. Amy Slanchik live for us near 15th and Harvard this afternoon. Amy, thank you for that update. So, Haas, what do you think? Uh, I think uh, Amy did a good thing. <laughs> she did. By the way, remember from last week, we talked about defensive gun use. Uh, and for those who didn't hear last week's podcast, uh, the Georgetown University study came out and said there's people use guns defensively about 1.6 million times a year in this country. Most often, they don't even have to fire the gun. They just have to display the gun. Right. But they also said that, remember what percentage of, of homes in the U.S. Uh, have a gun, according to that study? I don't, I don't remember. One out of three, basically. They okay. said one out of three homes in this country, you know, uh, one out of three homeowners or apartment owners own a gun. So if you're a thug 
and uh, you decide you want to make your living uh, breaking into people's houses, um, you know, you, you got a one in three chance of getting shot. And, yeah. and by the way, um, people think, oh, that rarely happens. Good guy with a gun is a myth. Remember, I just gave you a choice of of California or yeah. Tulsa. Uh, I, I mean, I've got half a dozen from last just from last week alone where private citizens um, use the gun legally to defend themselves. Uh, in fact, you know, Haas, I gave you a choice, but I think I might play the other one. It's really, it's really quick. Here, All this right. is um, an old Chinese couple, and what's unique about this one is that the woman, I don't know whether the husband bought it, but they had purchased the gun literally the day before. So here we go. And a woman shot and killed a man trying to break into her home. At around 10.30 last night, the Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office got a call from someone saying that their neighbor shot an intruder on Ashwood Lane. Deputies found 22-year-old Angelo Santana unresponsive. Police say that he'd been trying to force his way into the home of the couple. The husband tried to keep him from going inside, and the two started to fight. It was then that the wife shot and killed the man. There have been no arrests. Law enforcement say that according to witness statements and surveillance footage, the incident was strictly self-defense. Santana was not armed at the time of the shooting. All right. So, again, and there were easily half a dozen more, but uh, you know that's, that's just typical of what happens in this country uh, every year. And let me just close that off. Um, anyway, Haas, that's all I've got, unless you have any questions or anything we talked about today. No, it's uh, good information. Of course, it always is, but uh, right. no, it's good stuff. Don't right. break into my house. <laughs> Tell you, you, you got you got a you got a wiffle ball bat. You can you're gonna hit him with. Uh yeah, we got some. <laughs> you know, and, and that that is a comment I've got. Um, he said approximately one out of three homes has a gun, according to the Fed statistics. Correct. Right, according to the Georgetown University survey, oh, correct. Okay, I, I'm thinking that that's low because I know there's, I mean, how would they know you had a gun unless you had a registered gun? And again, registration only exists in three states. What they did is they, they did 54,000 telephone surveys. Okay. Now, it's probably, it's probably biased, and I, I imagine a lot of people who responded uh, probably didn't answer truthfully. You know, do you yeah. have a gun in your house? And they probably said, no, I don't. Right. Uh, but uh, I would agree. I think that, you know, one out of three is on the low end. Yep. That, that, that was my point. I, I think it is too. Right. In fact, so, uh, I know most of my neighbors here and, and in, when I was living in Colorado for 25 years, I know literally every single house in my street, uh, there was, they, they owned one or more guns on every single, so it was a hundred percent on the street I used to live on in Colorado. Yeah, so, absolutely. All right. all right, sir. All right. We're out of time. So I want to wrap up. So Haas, I want to thank uh, all of you who listened to the podcast today for giving up half hour of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things that I find of interest and importance. And I, uh, hope you found those topics as interesting and important as I did. And if so, uh, you continue to listen to the podcast in the weeks and the months to come. And if you want to see some of the show materials uh, and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them either on the K-Heat show page for, or on the Jersey Joe show page, on the jerseyjoe.com page. Um, I just want to point to Jersey Joe. I've got a, a website, jerseyjoe.com, jerseys with a Z. Um, and we put up uh, my quote of the day. We I put up links to some of the stories you, you'll hear about 
uh, when I reference some of these stories, like the uh, the preacher who got who was raided by twenty five FBI agents with rifles, you'll find links to stories like that. And if you want to email me with a comment, question, or suggested show topic, you can do that just by sending an email to just Joe at jerseyjoe.com. Just remember to spell Jersey with a Z. Um, and Haas, that's all I got, unless you have something else. No. Great job, sir. Let's do it again next week. All right. Talk to you next week, Haas. Take care. See you. Right. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.